Hello and welcome to another episode of Charles Weekly Partee. There's a little bit to talk about today, so definitely excited to start doing it. So, I'm Charles, and before we get started, let's roll the intro. So, today I want to talk about something that really caught my eye and I really found interesting. So, what I'm talking about today is Autodesk's Portland offices. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Autodesk, it is a company that makes software, and according to them, they make software for people who make things. Which, personally, I feel definitely shows, or it's definitely an accurate representation of what they do. I've been using Autodesk software now for... I'd say the better part of eight years. So over over the course of that time, I've enjoyed working with it. We've had our issues, but I think it's their, their software has definitely made my life a lot easier, and they continue to make a lot of people's lives easier um, when they're making things. So... The offices, though, were designed by McKenzie, and they are located in Portland, Oregon. Now, the first interesting little bit about this particular building is its, um, its structural system is mass timber. So normally... Um, when I say normally, I'm referring to the commercial sect, but normally for commercial buildings, you're using concrete and steel. And using mass timber, I think, is an interesting thing to do. It's generally a sustainable practice, and it, as long as the wood is sourced appropriately. So... It is long. It, put it this way: it holds up. It's open, so it holds up to code. And the other thing that the mass timber gives it is, I'd say, a much warmer feel than if it had been steel. Because steel is one of those things. Well, that you almost you tuck behind. So the building I'm currently in is or has a steel and concrete structural system. All of that lies behind the walls. So you can't see any of it. The mass timber basically turns that over on its head. It goes from being an element of the building you don't want to see to an element of the building that you really do want to see. So I can't complain about it too much. And personally, I, I have my ups and downs about the two systems, but I think that the mass timber worked very well for this particular project. Inch another interesting little thing about the building is that on the roof, on the roof it has a, for lack of better words, little penthouse and patio. 
which are available there for the employees so you can get a little rooftop view. So it also they also have a water tower up there and I don't remember exactly there were a couple of specific details that they had on there but I do rem I do know that it's quite a notable fixture to have in the uh, facility and realistically speaking it gives it a certain little element of I don't know It connects it to the past, but also because it looks more, it looks to be more modern and it's given more of a modern styling. It fits in with the building and it, it bridges the new and the old, I guess is the best way to say it. So without that being said, that covers, what is it? That covers only a couple of little things. So the offices themselves are actually quite interesting. So the normal office sort of cubicle or office, um, open office plan, I think is slowly but surely going to be going away. And what's, especially with um, all the things that have changed in COVID, I think we're really set up for a new office environment. And this space, although built before that, capitalizes quite well on what you can do when you sort of mix the way work is done. So what I'm talking about in that is the sort of use of tiny home-like areas so conference room is like its own little house. A sort of lounging space is another sort of little area. And all of them use different materials to separate that. So you'll have what literally looks to be a wooden house next to what looks to be a little garden. I guess is the best way to put it. And each of the spaces helps sort of bring things together. So it's separating the spaces, but making all of the little sort of tiny homes into a community. So you're not just getting tiny homes, you're getting a tiny home community, which happens to be an office community. So personally, I feel like that's an absolutely amazing idea. And I think it for where it is, it works out very well. Where the future of office space is going, we have yet to find out. So what I mean by that is we've had a lot of people working from home. And some people have noted out that it's actually helped productivity a bit and other people, not so much. So I feel that there are mixes and balances, but my thoughts on it are creating office space in such a way that it's supportive of being able to come in, but it doesn't necessarily require that. And of course, office space is going to have to sort of change to reflect that to some degree.
So what I mean by that is shifting the way in which we look at offices and figuring out what's best for each employee. So if employee A is going to spend most of their time in the office, so let's say out of a five-day work week, they're going to spend three or four days in the office and maybe one or two days at home each week. So for those employees, maybe you, you have a little home base, so an area that they can call their own and all that fun stuff. So basically making sure you have your desk drawers, um, your own sort of phone, you have your own little phone, all that, uh, all that good juicy stuff. Little space that's sort of your space in the company. But for people who are going to spend most of the time working at home, maybe instead of having that sort of area at a, in work that's taking up space, have sort of common spaces that can be used. So, right, so if with most of those, with most of the jobs that you can work from home you're going to have a computer sort of base station. So for those particular environments, I'd say have a few communal desk area, have some communal desk areas that would be enough to reasonably sustain the amount of people who would be coming in on any given day. And use that, use those spaces, have um, sort of workable, or have workable computer workstations that provide all of the benefits that would be needed, although on a temporary basis. Now, logistically speaking, if let's say you make uh, Monday a requirement for everyone to come in, then everyone's going to end up needing their own sort of space or own sort of base station. And possibly another solution for this is for people who are mostly work from home anyway, um, company issued laptops can solve the problem of needing to have enough desktop terminal spaces. So maybe, so instead of having 20 desks for 30 employees to hopefully not all come in on the same exact day, um, if all 30 do show up, then 10 of them can utilize another space to get their work done without any issue. Which brings up my next point. Having other spaces inside of companies. In the old days of the cubicle, you had sort of an area where you could call your own an area where you can maybe you could tack things up on the wall you have your phone there you have your computer there you have drawers and what all that fun stuff which works well for that and generally speaking if you have that type of space you don't need as many other sort of amenities obviously you do need your conference rooms and that sort of fun thing but you don't need 
certain other ones, that would be more feasible if you have more of an open plan type. So when you have an open plan area, um, which I've gotten used to um, as an architecture student, you have a whole area where people will come in, spaces that aren't necessarily, spaces that you can, are meant for collaboration, but if I need to take a phone call, those spaces aren't as good for that, especially if it's a personal phone call. So for those personal phone calls, I would usually take, uh, walk up, go outside to another area of the building that provided a little bit more privacy. So everyone in the collaborative environment wasn't there. And even if, even if just into hallway, it provided a little bit of a separation so that what I was saying over the phone wasn't being broadcast to everyone in the room. And occasionally that does happen. Sometimes there are phone calls that need to be taken. And personally, I know with the way I, with the way I work, if I, let's say, end up spending, or five minute phone call isn't going to do as much, but let's say it does set me back, maybe I'll stay five minutes later at that particular moment to get things done. And I know very well if I spend 30 minutes on the phone that I've taken a significant chunk out of workable time. So I, I'd also probably end up spending another half an hour at some point getting some more work done. And that's where I feel everything gets interesting. So having call spaces in an open plan area, open plan type office is going is something that shouldn't just be considered a nice idea. That's something that should be implemented because personal calls inevitably come up sometimes or even in professional calls come up where you don't necessarily want to be or to have a guy um, 10 feet away from you get frustrated with work and have that go over the phone. Now, I'm not saying cubicles will stop someone yelling from being heard, but they do provide a certain level of noise insulation so that you're not completely whacked with the noise from someone else. Personally, I think where we're going in the future is going to be interesting to see, but there are definitely some aspects that need to be taken into account which um, Autodesk's offices here have set a very good precedent for. Finishing up with um, what's specific to this particular piece of architecture. So in the certain main entry of the building, there's a feature staircase with the Autodesk logo. You have sort of a loose and free staircase. And by loose and free, I mean the shape of it, not the floorboards. And I guess the best way to put it is it falls into the same wooden 
um, feeling of the rest of the building. And it act it looks quite nice. And I think personally, it when you first walk in and see that staircase, that's just a wow factor. And to have a wow factor right when you walk in is important because that sets that that's what sets your office space apart from everyone else's office space. So we it's it's going back to shifting from office buildings have this certain sort of this, 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 and this to this, 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 and this are there, but you have other features that really set it apart from all of the other ones. And that's where it gets really interesting. So lastly, I want to mention that the entire building was designed in Autodesk software. The feature staircase, the office spaces, all of that was all designed using Autodesk software. And personally, I think that go, that ties up the rest of the integration because you're designing a building for this company with their software. So, you're, so that way the employees of Autodesk can say, yes, this building was designed in our products. Not as many, not many companies can claim that particular advantage saying, oh, our building was designed with our products. So I know maybe so you could have some computer manufacturers like, um, or software manufacturers like Apple or Microsoft, they can safely claim that as well because you can use, um, I know a lot of Autodesk software does require Windows. So Microsoft would probably be able to say, yeah, this was built sort of, or this was sort of built using our products to do. And Apple can sort of claim something similar. Although now that I've mentioned Apple, I have a couple of little things to note out. So first and foremost, last Tuesday, so one day after the episode was released, Apple announced that, well, they're going to have a special event this coming Tuesday. So, um, it, it was an interesting thing to find out because I mentioned last episode about WWDC being um, set out. But having Apple announcing their event, I think is really, well, I wish they'd done it a little bit earlier, so maybe giving more than a week of notice, but it, it was, it's nice to know. And I can say what I can, you can predict what next, uh, or what next week's episode of Charles Weekly Party will contain, but it was announced last, with it being announced last Tuesday, it was actually leaked by Siri. So if you asked Siri when the next Apple event would be, it said, oh, this will be next Tuesday. 
and you can get details on Apple's homepage. Go to apple.com, no details there quite yet. So once a couple of um, websites reported on this, then Apple came out and actually announced, or formally announced the event, which was, I, I don't know if someone decided to play that, say, let's see if anyone asks when the next Apple event will be. So for all we know, that little Easter egg was sitting there for, or for two weeks, or for, not for two weeks, I'd, I'd say more along the lines of a week. But say if you had asked on Sunday, it would have told you. But can't say that for sure. You'd need a time machine. So, unfortunately, I don't have one of those sitting in my backyard. So, out of luck there. What Apple is going to announce in the next event here has sort of yet to be seen. There are plenty of rumors, but I'm not going to talk about the rumors right now. I Because my excitement is usually for seeing what they actually decide to announce. So, yes, I've heard them, but... I kind of hold them, I, I want to hold them with as little of a grain of salt as possible. To say, maybe that's true, but I want it to be, I want whatever they announce at that event to sort of be news. Continuing on the topic of Apple, found out that they are working on what could possibly be called a TV pod. So, um, according to, I believe it was a report by Bloomberg, Apple is working on a, on a combination of a HomePod and an Apple TV. So, as possibly guessed, it will connect to a TV. And it, it will feature camera and speakers in it so that you can have video conferencing. So you basically saying you'd be able to put the TV pod, which is the name I've come up with it. I don't know what Apple might call it if they actually do end up producing it. So you put the TV pod right where you right under your TV so you have the camera speakers there and then the TV for the video or so you can see the other videos uh streams. Now this ends up coming on the heels of HomePod's discontinuation. And when I say HomePod, I mean the bigger model. The smaller one is still in play because it was it's smaller and more reasonably priced. So $350 for a smart home thing. Mm, I think that like, personally, I think that's a little bit pricey and a lot of customers thought the same thing. So it didn't end up selling as well as Apple would have liked. But the HomePod Mini sort of hit that balance between it's an Apple product and it's not going to break the bank for me to buy. So I know if I had to choose between buying a HomePod and an iPad, and they're both in the same price neighborhood, guess what? I'm buying the iPad. So... Personally, I think I've talked enough about Apple for now because 
Well, let me think about this. Next week, I'm going to be talking about them. Because whatever they announce in the event, I'm going to need to talk about. So that's enough about Apple for the time being. Because, yeah, with the event being announced, I'm, I know already I'm going to be talking about them a lot next week. So we're going back to the tech section means I talk about one thing. And one thing being one general thing with a lot of many things. But NVIDIA has announced that it's going to be producing CPUs. I believe this is not the first time they're going down this path. But um, can't complain too much. So what the CPU is called is Grace. Name, and it's named after Grace Hopper, who is a computer programmer pioneer. So the CPU that NVIDIA will be working on is not the, for the average Joe CPU. So it's not your um, AMD Ryzen or your Intel um, 11th gen. Um, I don't know the model numbers off the top of my head. So it, it wouldn't be your Intel i9 or your AMD Ryzen uh, 5600. So this competes with the, this is going after the AMD Epic line, which is designed for servers and the AMD, the Intel Xeon, which is designed for professional and server use. So the, the CPU is designed for data centers and it's targeted towards being used for artificial intelligence or AI and high performance computing. So similar to Apple Silicon, this um, CPU will be ARM based and current expected availability is that it should be um, available starting in 2023, which will be interesting to see. And there are a couple of labs that have already signed on to using the new processor, which will be debuted in um, computers developed by Hewlett Packard Enterprise. So that will just unlock more possibilities for the labs. What I, I guess the best question is to say, could a consumer use these CPUs? Short answer is yes. Long answer is not necessarily for what you'd expect. So your average desktop computer, if you build one, you have motherboard, CPU, um, all that funds or power supply, dri storage drives, and it's built in sort of a specific way. Now, for a server piece, you're going to have a couple of different little quirks to it. And part, part of the 
uh, CPU, part of the use of um, server-grade equipment is that for some of the stuff, although it uses, uh, it, I believe a bunch of them could fit into consumer cases, um, they're, go they're going to need a few, they end up needing a few different pieces that make them server-specific. I guess I'm rambling a little bit because I'm trying to make sure. I, was, I had a bit of information, but I'm trying to make sure I don't say it in such a way that it misleads anyone. But long story short, they're usable, although they're, design, they're designed and priced for server applications. So while you could sort of use it to run your everyday computer, would it be worthwhile? Probably not. And the other thing to think about with um, server-specific boards is that um, they, they do have, end up having different sort of outputs. And second thing is that the big, a big difference between server um, equipment and consumer equipment, if you buy a consumer, consumer motherboard, for most of them, for building your own computer, they look kind of nice. So that's because the manufacturer's taken lengths to make sure it looks interesting because there's a high likelihood that whatever case you're putting it into has a window so you can see it, or so you can see into the computer from the outside. Server grade equipment is the exact opposite. If it's intended to go into a server, or at least the specific hardware components, not necessarily the outside box, but the internal components aren't really designed to see the light of day. And that means that your server equipment is going to have design features that may make it aesthetically unpleasing to use in consumer applications unless you buy something solid case or cover up a window. Or maybe that's your thing, and in which case, go for it. But the biggest hurdle is going to be the price of the equipment because things intended for enterprise use tend to have enterprise price tags. So where that will go, we have yet to see, and obviously we're going to have to wait a couple of years to find out. Or roughly a couple of years, it's supposed to be available at the beginning of 2023. Where, whether or not that will happen, and whether or not we'll recover from the silicon shortage by then, is also yet to be determined. So, yeah, it, it's been a little bit of a slower week. There'll be it'll be a shorter episode, but um, definitely, I definitely have a lot of other stuff to do too. So, um, happy to get happy to get through this episode, and can't wait to be back next week with more things or with an exciting week from. Apple. So I'm just hoping that Apple delivers on their event. So obviously, if you can watch it, it will be live um, on Tuesday, starting at 
um, 10 a.m. or 10 hundred hours specific time. So wherever that translates to in your local time zone will be when the event is. So, and Apple has the little thing on their website so you can add it to your calendar. So, with all that being said, I guess it's an exciting week to look forward to and it's getting a little bit warmer, nice and springy now. So, can't wait or can't wait for seeing where the week will bring or seeing what the week will bring. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of Charles Weekly Partee, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you want to interact with the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash Charles Weekly Partee. And there you can listen to every episode. You can leave a voice message or support the podcast. Also, if you are listening via Apple Podcasts and you enjoy it, please go ahead and leave a review there. And if you prefer to watch me talk and deliver my weekly party, then by all means, um, go for it on YouTube. So take care, have a nice week, and can't wait to see you next time. Let's roll the outro. Thank you.